Welcome to the Pennywise Financial Podcast. Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management. Today, I have Dave Georgian. Georgian? Wow. Who is Georgian? I've only known Georgian you since we were 15. Is my co-host right. today. Dave, why don't you introduce our guest? Uh, yes. So today, we have the founder and owner of Party Man Catering, Mr. Joseph Yantachka the third. The third. The third. Welcome, Joe. Got the name right. Yes, yes. I'm so glad, by the way, you he he has a son, obviously, the fourth. The fourth? Yes. Yep. So it's a family name, I guess. It is. Uh, once you hit the third, I haven't heard too many fourths, so I, I, I ran with yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. You think you'll go with the fifth? Um, I could see him doing it. Yeah. Did yeah. That... He seems like a pretty sentimental kind of kid. Yeah. Well, you never know. You guys are like royalty. Yeah. You need a crown. Well, I have the top hat. Enjoy the fourth. Yes. Old top hat. I may have one of those. Yes. Welcome, Joe. Welcome to the podcast. Um, real quick uh, introduction, uh, if I may. So uh, many, many moons ago, um, in between my college breaks at the University of Buffalo, I'd come back to uh, Livonia, New York, where Joe started this uh, catering company. What year was it, Joe? Officially or unofficially? Uh, I rounded 2000. 2000. Okay. Now. Yeah. Yep. Puts me at about 20 years old. Yep. Um, and Joe had, so at his house in Livonia, he had a separate kitchen next door where he started this catering company. And I would help out as much as I could in the summertime, yep. spilling uh, boiling water on my steel toe boots. Mm-hmm. Still remember a couple stories. In and them. Uh, In them, through them. Yep. yep. It was some screaming. <laughs> um, and this this college kid who just had a, a zeal for uh, catering and uh, culinary uh, amazing food for so many years, my friend. Um, catered my wedding. I don't know if you remember that, Cons. Of course during I your, remember that. During you your 40, 45 minute best man speech. Hey, don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, just time and time again, man, like to see you come from literally the kitchen next to your house to everything you've grown into is just tremendous. Did it? you cook as a kid? Um, apparently, it was my way of getting out of going to school. Um, my, my mom would say, you know, you always wanted to stay home and make cookies or bake or cook or something. And, and that was my, um, I guess if I, if I went that route, she'd let me stay home once in a while. So, um, maybe that's what got me started. I, I enjoyed it though, as a kid. You did it often. What I remember. Yeah. Um, not too much, but, uh, occasionally I would say it was the, I was, I was cooking at the time, kind of fell into it. And that was, that was, you got to do something for college. And that's what kind of, I knew food and I like to eat it and I, I cooked. Oh, I'm really good at eating food. I, I'm, I'm great at that. So <laughs> what puts me closest to food is uh, cooking it. So, uh, yeah. and yeah. you went to, you went to Alfred, Joe? Alfred state. Okay. Got a culinary degree from there and, uh, commuted on weekends, stayed there, but commuted on weekends, um, doing the, uh, food stand at the flea market. Um, in Avon? In Avon. Yep. That, in high school, actually. Wow. That's how you started. So I was cooking at a diner and um, actually washing dishes at 14, started cooking right around that same year and um, 15 maybe. And uh, uh, shortly thereafter, a family friend who ran this concession stand wanted to get out of it. They got older and um, they, I had saved up a few bucks, bought everything off them and kind of got this going because I was cooking anyway. Wow. So I would run that on weekends. Um, in high school? In high school. From that's pretty impressive. You want to talk about a young entrepreneur? Wow. Yeah, I was sixteen. Like, for, I forget about like that. just like working at that age. Like you were running the show. 
Yeah, it was it was right around 16, 16 to 20. I sold it back off just as the way they uh the way I ob- obtained it um around 20 when I started party night catering. Mm-hmm. It started clogging up the weekends and I needed uh something more than that. So Wow. Yeah, that's really how Pretty it got cool. started. Wow, that's where were you washing dishes back in the day? It was Burdick's Cafe in Lakeville. Okay. It turned into a Kitty's Cafe and uh that's when I started cooking. Kitty's Cafe where they have like cats and stuff there or just Kitty the name? There was no cats there. <laughs> no cats. No Kitty cats were it. harmed in the filming of this. Kitty had 30 or 40 cats. <laughs> Serious? Her name was Kitty. Oh, she legit. had cats. She legit had cats. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Kitty. Awesome. I mean, she she cooked her butt off. Um, she was You did a stint at Peppermint's too for a while, right? Yep. Yep. Cooking? So, uh, Not serving, cooking, right? Cooking. Okay. I was actually just in there and uh I was talking to somebody. I served a couple shifts and uh it was fun, but I'm I've been there, done that. Yeah. Did not serve. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. <laughs> twice. Good, good call. Good yeah. call. Because Cons was a server. Yeah. Yep. I always like the back end of the kitchen. Yeah. Back Which is funny though, if you think about it. Our personalities are so opposite. I prefer to be in the back and do the and in the restaurant, this guy likes being in the kitchen. Yeah. Because you could just wear a hat, eat food. Eat, eat, <laughs> yeah, you were closer to the food. Closer That's to the true. food. Yeah, correct. French fries fell. The food onto was the, the hook. Yes. Yeah. So, so we were just talking, Joe, um, and we wanted to save this for the podcast. Uh, we were talking about your elevator pitch. Yeah. Um, so, so let's hear it. You, you hired a marketing firm to come up with this elevator pitch. You just heard it. I don't have one. <laughs> um, no, we uh, internally, um, it was, uh, yeah, it was just, it, it's not something that we even have developed. And, uh, you know, and I grew this business. I always said that if you like what we have and you want to buy it, great. If not, I'm not going to try convincing you mm-hmm. into that it's what you need. Um, and so that's really the foundation. Maybe that's the pitch. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, I was never a salesy person um, up until, I would say the last three or four years, the need, I think you hit a period of, of growth where you need something more than just the organic sale. Yeah. And so the need for that, and I would say um, we're kind of going through the the point that you bring up, Dave, and that we were talking about is that like a, um, a bit of a rebranding and a realignment party mm-hmm. man catering. We've become a company that's um, not the party guy out of college 23 years ago, starting a business. Um, We do some of the the best events in Rochester and some really high end stuff. And, and I think offer a product that's um, uh, well above what just a caterer would do. And so, um, you know, our tagline is elevating your experience. And I think we uh, were, it was funny. I was thinking about um, a realignment and just, the direction we're going to go and the product we offer. And I, and I feel like it's, um, we're this catering company, but we're not that there's catering companies all over Rochester. And I think, um, we're an experience company. And so, you know, we kind of talk about, um, at some point just, uh, what we have to offer. And I think, um, it's, it's an experience. It's not just the food. Yeah, I'd agree with you totally. I love the food and I like being close to the food. Um, (laughs) but if you're just hiring us for good food, um, there's a bunch of people that can give you good food and there's some really great places around here that, um, 
may even have better food. Um, but you won't get a, an experience like you're going to get from party man in an event. And so, um, I think that's one of the things that, uh, that's it, Joe, the experience you're spot on. And I'm thinking about what year did you have your, maybe it was like your 13th year, 15th year. You had a big shindig down on Canisius Lake. And I just remember, so cons, we pull into the parking lot and there's a little, like a mini hut thing, right? Mm-hmm. In the parking lot, and it's in the winter, and there's a uh, a lady there that works for Joe, and she's handing out hot cocoa for your travel from the parking lot to the venue. So I assume this was held in the fall or winter. No, it was like winter. It's like er- early yeah. winter, maybe. Um, and I just, uh, you know, I'm like, how thoughtful, like the 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 small right. touches like that, Joe. If I had yeah. to say what sets you apart, the food, of course. Um, but those little touches that create that experience. And I remember walking in and there was like a shelf that had all these different like crazy drinks, like um, yeah. alcoholic and non-alcoholic, but they had like umbrellas in them and they were all these unique Fancy. drinks. Yeah, yep. it, it was just so cool. Like, yeah, the experience absolutely sums yep. it up. It, a lot of, um, I think, you know, it's, how do they say it? Uh, at the end of the day, you won't remember, you know, what they said or what you did, but how it made you feel. And I think that's kind of a, a testament to what you can get food from anywhere delivered to your event catering. Uh, but what's important to you on your event day and what do you want to remember and what's important to you that day? I think that dictates kind of maybe who you're choosing. And we're not that person that's just going to slap the food on the table and hit the road while we do some simple drop off and some smaller catering. Even that needs to have a certain level of experience that's a bit different from, you know, start to finish the sale right to the, the finish of the event. So yeah. that's something that I think we're focusing on, which will full circle here, dictate that elevator speech because we make really great food and our service is awesome. That doesn't encompass um, creating an experience. Everything that's different. you do. So yeah. the elevator speech, while it may never have been present and defined, I think it's, we're right at a point where it needs to be maybe the mindset adjusted a little bit because we're not just a catering company. It sounds like you're, you're looking at the business from a different lens. Yeah. Exactly. And you remind us that you're, yeah, you're running this experiential type of thing where people come in and get a great experience. that's memorable and lasting, but you're also a small business owner, right? In the local community, which I think is important. And we have a lot of business owners that work with us, uh, whether it be for offering uh, retirement plans or investments of their own. But I'd love to hear a little bit about you as a local business owner from that lens, that perspective. If you could maybe talk about, I mean, obviously the last couple of years in the economy and the market's been challenging. Um, I know even our shopping habits for uh, food and groceries, um, we were diehard, you know, BJ's and Wegmans, Mm -hmm. uh, where now my wife is shopping at Aldi's. Like, I I actually can't believe that I'm saying that we're shopping at Aldi's, but... she's been able to find good products that are organic and things like that for like a fraction of what we would pay at Wegmans. Right. So has that changed the way that people are spending money and the type of experiences that they're booking with you? Yeah. I would say that, um, that very same principle that you're talking about applies to the events industry. And we, our primary focus is weddings. Um, we've done some, some kosher, 500 person corporate plated events and we've done simple stuff, but weddings really are our specialty. Um, And I think 
that whether it be that all these kind of comparison on prices and what you're getting, it's the same. It's, you know, it's like, what am I willing to sacrifice for the dollars I'm spending? And if the quality's almost there and almost unnoticeable, they're probably going to go with the cheaper option, the Aldi option versus the Wegman option. Um, and so I think that people are just conscious now more than they have been, especially I would say in 22 in particular with COVID. And there was this, I think there was a lot of money floating around from for different reasons. Um, and there was this demand that people were willing to pay whatever because I couldn't have my event last year and I have some money and I'm going to, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll take the Wegmans food um, or the, the higher end stuff or not be so worried about what I'm spending. So I think in the environment that we have here, people are just more conscious about that for sure. And in, in making sure they're choosing things that um, they're shopping around, I would say, right. And they're, and they're just making sure that they're getting exactly what they need. And if it's only a small sacrifice, they're fine going, it's sacrificing maybe some experience or, quality of something. Um, so in a market that was in that 21 and 22, very much has changed in that perspective. And I think we're seeing that over the next six months to the events that are kind of booking out. I expect that to kind of be the case. So yeah. um, it's just giving them good bang for the buck is, is what it's at now where previously it wasn't such a focus. If I'm honest, I don't even think that, I mean, at least me personally are sacrificing the quality of food. Like I actually like some of the stuff better. The portion size is a little smaller, but my family does not eat leftovers anyway. It's it's usually me that eats all the leftovers. Yep. So um, I was happy to to say, like, surprisingly happy to say, I enjoy the food from all these. I'm a. We don't shop there. I I let the wife handle most of the grocery shopping. Me too. Um, it's safer that way. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but do you was it uh, was it Dollar General or all these where you? Quarter for the shopping cart. I think it's all. That's all these. That's all these. And so, the Wegman's experience is you don't have to pay for the cart, and it's there and it's ready, and there's wipes, and you can wipe it down. Maybe that's everywhere now, but um, you are okay with paying a quarter for the shopping cart and having to return it or whatever it was. Where Wegman's, it's a little different experience, and so willing to sacrifice that piece, maybe. And I don't know the other pieces. I'm like I said, I, I'm an Instacart guy because I. I hate shopping. Yeah. Um, and I'm willing to pay that extra money so that I don't have to experience Wegmans on Sunday yeah. or all these on Sunday. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of what's important to the buyer and we're seeing that um, cost effectiveness. And if it's a close second, second's okay. Um, Let me ask yeah. you this, Joe, to, to that point, when you see the cost of everything going up, have you had to adjust your prices, like your catering prices significantly over the last two years, like post COVID because of the hike yeah. and everything? Yeah. Labor in particular, like I said, um, food is food. We, we do a lot of volume and we get a, um, a break as much as any restaurant would or, mm-hmm. or other food service establishment in the area. Um, but it's the, the investment into the employees and the wage you pay and all the things that go into retention culture and all this new stuff that are just the benefits, um, oh, yeah. something that we've worked with you guys on, which has been awesome. Um, offering what was an IRA to now a 401k <clears throat> for essentially the entire company. And so coupled with wages in these 
food price increases, like we've kind of, we've spiked quite a bit and I don't think the market for what people are willing to pay, they don't understand it and it hasn't caught up. Mm -hmm. So it's like, geez, man, it was, your prices went up a whole lot. Well, so many different variables and <laughs> COVID was one of those big things that how do you entice them and get them to be okay with not working from home and um, create an environment that uh, seasonality is a big challenge for us. So investing in the employees that um, keeps them coming back. Mm -hmm. You actually touched on something I was going to kind of ask you, but you, you've already answered it is how do you, how do you compete for that top level employee in this kind of environment where people care about, yeah, their paycheck, being able to pay for food and put, you know, food on the table and, but then it's healthcare and it's saving for retirement down the road. Um, I think people are more conscious and more aware of that and understanding the benefits. It's like, yeah, yeah it's not just my hourly wage. I got to be saving for tomorrow because if I don't, there's no pension. There's nothing there. The government is not going to help me. Right. So I think you've already taken care of a lot of those things. Yeah. And it's, it's got to be tough for employees to, you know, there may be that other job that pays more, but are you happy at work? Yeah. Culture. And, um, so it's, and we've seen that we've had people come to us for maybe less pay as an employee. They cost us probably more than, um, than the other company is paying them because of the invest. We actually just sent, um, they came back today. We sent five people out to Denver for a, uh, a heart leadership conference um, that is, and we have a culture club and we meet uh, once a month actually for all these culture-based initiatives and, and just things to make sure that culture is present there. And that's expensive. Um, we could probably add a couple bucks an hour to everybody's paycheck if we didn't do those things, but they're not staying for the money. And we offer a very competitive wage. Mm -hmm maybe even more than others, but if you don't have that culture piece and they're not happy at work and you know, all the things that kind of come with that, you're, you're fighting a losing battle. Yeah. And we did that for a lot of years. Um, just didn't make that a priority. And now, um, post COVID and during COVID it's heavier presence now more than ever. Yeah. Can't get away with it. Like you're just not even competitive in the market. If you don't have some benefits and you're trying to hire a full-time salaried professional type of person. If you don't have retirement and health insurance and some of the feel good type of things in these programs, uh, I think we already, even, even though we do that, we struggle sometimes with attracting people yeah. wages. I think is competitive wages is a thing that's changed a lot too, though. Yeah. Well, we talk about it a lot in our podcast with entrepreneurs is just the lackluster uh, effort of people wanting to work today just seems so hard. And especially I'd have to assume, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but like in your, uh, in your world, the people are probably on the younger side, right? Like the catering. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, you know, it's just the event staff, that seasonality piece of it, mm -hmm. um, where part of our mission over the next couple of years, getting into venue ownership, um, to create stability and, and kind of fight that year round, have a year round staff. And, and more full-time employment so that that turnover isn't there. But, and I think that'll help with the age range. You can get hire more professional people, but I'll tell you the awesome part is that these 15, 16 year old kids are the ones that want, want to work. It's um, really? you'll get a few that, Hey, my mom made me, my parents made me get a job and they weed themselves out. But these are the kids that are driven. Um, 
we have some really, really great young people. And I would say that we're, we're seeing some of the benefit from that now because they were 14 and 15 years old when COVID hit mm-hmm. and they weren't getting the checks and they wanted to make some money and they were home and they came in and they were driven. And now they're starting to turn 17, 18, 19 years old. Um, and they're still at our company and some of them are taking new full-time jobs. And as we grow, they're kind of fitting into that and they've already proven their worth and we've seen what they do. So we're starting to see some of that return on investment of those young kids. They couldn't drive and you had to send them home at eight 30 or nine, but yeah, now it's, it's a different story. That's so. promising. Wow. I feel like there's a gap between like the 20 to 25, maybe even a little older than that. They just don't want to work. They feel yeah. kind of entitled. I don't know what the hell happened. They're like pansies, man. Want to smack like, that now you're telling me the younger kids want to work. The ones that we have do. Don't get me wrong. They're all 15, 16. And, sure. Um, yeah, of course. But generally speaking, these kids show up and, and they kill it, man. They're, they, that's that's they actually hard. like so I uplifting to hear. Yeah. 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 It's, you create this culture. I, I, I'll use the word a bunch, I'm sure, but you stand out if you're lazy and you it's almost awkward if you're going to go hide in the corner and try to get out of something or like you're you're going to get called out or something like it's almost uncomfortable mm-hmm. to do that and so they're in there and so i think i say these kids are great but i think we've created this culture that just doesn't allow for expectations otherwise yeah, yeah. good and it's not forced it's just what we do and and uh they're driven for all the great things that they see happening within the company. Yeah, but that's what makes your company successful, right? Absolutely. Is having that kind of uh, culture. Yep. Yeah. You have to invest into that piece. Yeah. So you, you mentioned weddings. Weddings yep. are your like number one. Weddings right? are it. I got a question, I guess maybe for both you guys. Are you notice, do you notice any um, changes in the ages of people getting married or people waiting longer? I don't even know if it was like popular or common to get married anymore. I feel like it's less and less important for people. People are living together for like 10, 15 years and then saying, oh yeah, yeah I guess we'll get married. But not everyone. Yeah. Has that affected business in any way or um, don't want to say? I don't know if I can say, but to answer your question, I do think the, if I somehow could, you know, document the age that I would say it's, it's gotten older. Um, common now to see Mid thirties, mid, well, even, you know, like I, I was married at 30 and I was dragging feet, you know, it was just one of those things. And I, um, after I met my wife, it was all good, but, and we got married within a year, but I was in no hurry to get married. And I think I was a bit of an anomaly there in that when in your twenties in your young twenties, you know, mid twenties, and now it's not common to first marriage in the late twenties and early thirties, 30, mm-hmm. I would say, if I had to guess. So maybe a good thing for us in that maybe you've established a job and you're not still in college. We still see the gamut, you know, the spread of, mm-hmm. of, of ages, but you're from a dollar spent, there might be more ability. Oh yeah. Because you're established. Yeah. Ability, absolutely. Maturity. You're at a typically two, point in your life. Yeah. Two incomes too, typically today. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. How old were you when you got married? Uh, 28. <laughs> 20, I'm lying. No, lying. 28, 28. Your wife's not listening, so it's okay. <laughs> uh, in May, in May, it's going to be 15 years. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I was lies. 32. Were you? Yeah. 29. I had my first kid at 30. So, maybe I'm off on that. Your wedding was cool, Joe. 
New Year's Eve, right? New Year's Eve. Yeah. That is a cool anniversary. Yeah. 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 Did you guys do a dance? Was there a dance? You're like about. your yeah, there was a dance. There yeah. was a dance. Do you remember when that? And I think that's still popular. Where like the wedding party does like a dance. It's oh, like yeah, choreographed. Yeah, we did a. So my wife and I did a dance. It was terrible, and it's not my wife. I don't one. remember like, your dance. Yeah, you. It's was okay. not memorable. Apparently, no. I, my bad. <laughs> well, we didn't do one for the group. It was it was us. We had a uh, Russian dance instructor that hated my wife. My wife was convinced that she hated her. <laughs> <laughs> and every time we go to practice, she'd yell at her and she'd say, "This is in Rochester." Yeah, this is okay. Rochester. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, ages. I, I just don't know if it if it's changing. I mean, that might affect your business, right? If people are not getting married as often and weddings are your number one. Yeah, you're saying no. There's um. As we kind of dig into this rebranding and you know heavy into the marketing thing, understanding the market and and what's out there, yeah. um, it is a big thing. And so I don't know if I can't say offhand if wedding numbers in terms of the number of people getting married. I, I want to say last I looked a year or two ago, um, they weren't declining, but also census data I think is what I was looking at, and that's mm -hmm. you know you're you're dated on that. You know, I'm, could be five years old sure you know so what's really trending now and happening um you check in on those trends joe okay not as much as i'd like to sure but even i just you saying that like it just i don't know i'm used to joe like i've known joe most of my life now so like i i still see like the hard for you to look the, at joe and see business joe correct it's like yeah. i still like i'm so, i'm assuming there's a keg in the truck you know but like well, that was 25 years might ago be yeah for the next party i'm still the party man <laughs> <laughs> but now you're more like the sophisticated party man well, like yeah right and as you talk about this rebranding and, and this uh, upper scale kind of party man. Sure. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it, it makes sense too. And just the, the way that you've evolved. I'm talking about the yeah. company as a whole. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the willingness to just let things be okay from a quality standpoint or something. It's like, we're fixing it and making it better. Um, and putting processes in place and no company's perfect and we're far from that, but um, reacting to the things that are less than perfect, we're on it. And, um, and that's not cheap because it takes time and money and labor and processes and yeah. new technology and tools and resources. And so um, to be a company that is priced most competitively, I think you have to be real slim on margins in some of those places and be okay with slightly less than perfect. And um, it's just real hard for us to do as a company. So I think our positioning in that um, we are and will always continue to be probably the best at what we do or in the top echelon of what that is. And so um, aligning the rest of it, the brand and in the sales pitch and the elevator speech and mm -hmm how you dress and what your staff looks like and everything else um, just needs to be in line. So, and I think we're over the last five years, it's really shown through that um, it takes some real intention to sell a higher price because you get good reviews and the food tastes good, but how do you sell an experience? That's a feeling. Mm -hmm. Um and it takes a kind of a different mindset and definitely a different sales pitch. If you're just competing against good food, there's lots of great food yeah. out there and yeah. lots of people can produce that. And, but yeah, 
we have the same challenge. challenge. It's 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 selling us. Uh, I guess I say selling a story. It's telling a story and yeah. connecting with somebody and making them understand what that experience might feel like for them. Right. And then making a decision. I'm sure people don't talk to you after five minutes and say, you know what, I, I want to book him or same with Dave. I mean, they, you strike up a conversation, maybe it sparks interest. You check things out and then you make a decision. Right. Right. I think it's a pretty big expense. I've, um, I've come in, of course, through business and in some of the, the travel I've done in the conferences and the, um, run-ins with salespeople. Um, I've bought things and, uh, you know, when you're in front of a good salesperson, it's the right balance of the feel and what's being said, but also that trust. And, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, it's tough when, uh, when you're just trying to sell food, um, there's a whole bunch of other people out there doing that. And so how are you going to be different? And, yeah. and it is that feel. So it's something that's, uh, it's not an easy thing to do yeah. by any means. With it, I think this is a very good place to take a break. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with the show. Do you want help building and managing an investment portfolio that's right for you? One that will help you maximize growth potential while you're saving, help you generate income when you need it most, and eventually preserve what you've saved to leave to your beneficiaries? We do this day in and day out and take the stress and responsibility of making those decisions off your plate. Subscribe to our newsletter, read our blog post, and listen to our podcast to get a flavor of how we do things. Our firm is unique and capable of handling all your investment and insurance needs. Monarch Wealth Management, our guidance, your future. Welcome back to the Pennywise Financial Podcast. Constantine here, Monarch Wealth Management. My co-host today, Dave Georgiev, and our guest, Joe Yantachka from Party Man Catering. Welcome back, everyone. We we learned a little bit about Joe and his early cooking uh, <laughs> in, in his pre-college uh, days. And now I want to talk a little bit more about the investment piece um, on what you're doing, not from a stock and bond uh, point of view, but more into the company as a small business owner. So you touched on some of the things you're doing for employees and how to attract and retain top talent. Um, What are some things that you're investing in on the business side to either grow or enhance the experience for uh, customers? Yeah. internal on the business stuff, especially, um, is we kind of talked about the growth that I've had. Um, and we have some really great people, um, who have worked for us for a number of years who are now, I would, you know, a, a good fair amount, I would say that are 10 plus years with us, mm-hmm. um, and in their young thirties. So starting young and don't have as much experience, um, being out there uh, similar to me, um, which I can relate to them in that just other, whether it be other industry or other businesses similar to mine with experiences. So I would say uh, our whole leadership team, I don't think there's, I'm getting older, anyone over 50, which I say life experience and work experience is huge value. Mm -hmm. Um, And so one of the things we've invested in, um, I I may have mentioned it to you, Dave, uh, EOS system. Mm -hmm. Um, We've, we what does EOS stand for? I have no idea what that is. Yeah, Entrepreneurial Operating System. And it's it's really kind of hard to explain, but it's like a set of guiding principles for your business to how to have your meetings, reviews, structure, kind of building out your accountability chart or org chart, as some would call it. Um, because we, we, we've had this really great growth, but 
we were at a place where like some of those, some of the simplest things with holding each other accountable and having a real good organization chart that was who's managing who and what's everyone doing in the clear lines and having really effective meetings. Um, we just came off our annual two day offsite with our leadership team. We defined goals. We have um, one, three and 10 year goals. Where do you have that? Where do you host it? Different places, different venues? Um, yeah, actually, it's uh, we were at Oaks Manor, really great place out in Churchville. Um, and uh, I don't know it. Me neither. Yeah, yeah, right over. What's that? Uh, Camp not Myers. Oh, over near there. It's right near four ninety. Yeah, right off four ninety. Okay. Spent the weekend there, or uh, not the weekend, but a couple of days. Um, and so we've invested in these tools that are setting us up for the future. Um, and giving tools to this team to grow and just be more efficient. And um, we would have, and I'm the worst um, at it. I, and I can say that um, meetings, it's like, you're exhausted. It's two hours later. And what the heck did you accomplish? Um, <laughs> and uh, in this cuts right through all that, we sit down once a week for an hour and a half and, uh, and we, we get stuff done in this system. And there's many of them out there like that, that'll, that'll do this for you. But that has been a game changer for us. We, we invested in, uh, um, um, integrator, uh, not integrator. So, uh, implementer. Um, and that was, uh, 75,000 bucks for two wow. years. Was that wow. software or is that like a training program? So it was a, I guess you could almost call him like a facilitator of this program to make sure it works. And so you get this guy for two years. Um, I wouldn't say at your disposal, but he's at all the quarterly meetings, helping you facilitate these things and implement these best practices. Yeah, that's probably the best way to describe it is um, best practices. And I looked at him as a, um, a $35,000 a year employee that I'm, I'm paying for two years. And mm -hmm. I, that was a big spend. Like we, we've never spent anything like that on a consultant or something you would kind of group into that, yeah. that class. And, um, but it was a no brainer and I do it again tomorrow. Um, it really? was worth it. So that big investment for a, for a small company. Absolutely. So a that's changer for us. So, so that's, uh, helping your executive team or your, um, maybe run meetings more efficiently, more effective, yep. uh, communication between the staff. And maybe that uh, conveys to the end client. I assume. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's um, we, you know, we would have these improvements that we'd identify, like yeah, something went wrong, or we could do this better. And it would take a long time to just kind of go from start to finish and get implemented um, within the company or make a change as you grow. And um, this has helped that type of thing, that, which improves your end product. Um, tremendous like i was shocked at how many employees um just wanted to know like especially the full-time ones like mm -hmm. where are we going to be in five years like what's the plan here um and so it shakes out your vision and, and says here's what we're going to do in 10 years and every year you're reevaluating, saying are we doing the things that's going to get us there one yeah. three and ten years um and so it's kind of empowered them one of the big things is uh they call it letting go of the vine but when an employee has a very clear job description and they know what they're supposed to do, and there's actually a tool they call it the GWC. Do they get it? Do they get it? Do they get the position? Do they want it? And do they have the capacity to do it? And so it kind of shakes that out. You have the right people in place to hit these goals that you've defined, um, and you trust them to do their job because 
they're capable of it basically yeah. and so it's kind of like go do your thing and let me not hold you back from making good things happen within this company mm-hmm. which has i would say the mantra for what have we invested in is just long-term and sustainability and and culture-based things which this while it's a operating system for a business or a set of principles guiding principles um, it's done a lot for people because less micromanaging more effective meetings that people don't dread going into you have the right people in the right seat versus people that are just struggling and you're getting by you kind of deal with that head on so i think Mm -hmm. just setting our business up and working on the business has been the big investment for us first of all man i gotta i gotta commend you for because i i do feel like i'm meeting with joe the businessman yeah. And um, hearing that Love side it. of things, the number one thing, number one question I get for people that retire and want to go back and open a business is I want to open a restaurant. Now, now you don't own a restaurant, nope. but I'm like run far, far away. <laughs> and usually what we end up seeing happen, and we both came from the background uh, of, of restaurants. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. Everybody's working at the restaurant. Nobody's working on the business. Right. The owner's in the kitchen. The owner's doing the dishes. The owner's out greeting. The owner's uh, doing something that could be mundane or a task or a chore and could be assigned easily to an employee. There is no reason the head of the company should be doing those things. Exactly. I'm not saying they're above it, but if nobody's focusing on the dynamic, the goals, the one, three, five, ten, big picture, no one's focusing on that. And it can only be one person thinking like that. And that's what is an owner you're putting out fires and you're always going to have to work in the business some. Mm-hmm. But if you are in a position that you want to grow your business, someone's got to work on it. And where we're at, we have, uh, what, there's probably 100 employees, 125, maybe half of which are um, seasonal. Uh, well, oh. taking advantage of retirement uh-huh. plan through you guys. Yep, yep. Um, and so we have a lot of people and there's a lot to do. And so this mentality of just this one person, granted on the scale, but it was even leadership level team didn't understand that they too need to think about on the business rather than just doing that thing, document that process. So it happens consistently the next 10 times Mm -hmm. on the business versus in. Um, And so you need more people doing that, the larger you get. And that's what we're investing in. You know, it it just has to happen because Mm -hmm. I can't work on, everything event staff yeah um you need those other people and and we've set aside intentional time for you need to think differently employee who was a chef at one time right or a (laughs) marketing girl who loved that i was a chef but you need to think in the on the business versus in and and just flipping the burger or whatever it is you need more people doing that so um longevity is the big thing yeah yeah We've got some core, you've got some core employees, like you said, that have been with you. I think, uh, so JT, yep. um, and a couple other yeah. folks that have just been almost like the, the, the foundation of this place. Like when they were substantially smaller, a lot less mm. revenue, you had these core people and they blossomed with you, honestly. Yeah. And you did a great job, Joe, of like nurturing that environment, yeah. you know, providing the opportunity for them to, um, we still need really great chefs and JT, who's my director of operations. Now it's funny, we joke. Um, you don't have anything to do. The only thing you have to do is make sure everyone else is doing what they're doing. Yep. Um, and, it, and we kind of had that epiphany moment at a, for a minute. And um, 
but it's true. It's just you have to kind of let go of some of these things and let these other people um, kind of think and work on the business and mm-hmm. and think at a different level. And um, and it's been good I, when you empower people and you kind of let them shine a little bit. Um, we've seen good results. From yeah, that. yeah. Yep. Not to not to get off the beaten path, but you talked about restaurants, and I'm not Uh-oh. I'm not I mentioned like, food. This guy I'm not up. letting this thing die. So theoretically, guys, I'm asking you, if you had if you opened a restaurant and you had a manager, so you're not like you said, Cons, you're not in the kitchen, you're not running around doing dishes, putting things away. If you had a competent manager, do you think you could run a successful restaurant in today's environment? Could. Or would, or do you want? <laughs> want is different. You think it's doable? Or like, and I understand, oh yeah, anything's doable, but like, do you think reasonably you could be profitable to the ability that makes it worthwhile? I think for me, it would have to be um, maybe the next step up from a manager. Like you'd have to have somebody. Uh, like managing people in the dining room and the schedule and profitability and you know so like to what degree of the manager sure i would say yes if you had you had a good kind of high level person that was thinking was not going to just hop back in there and cook when the chef doesn't show up yeah figure out how to not put yourself in a position so that you have to cook when the chef doesn't show up have someone on call yep and now you're free to do those things that will help run that business so, success. So, so theoretically, let's for lack of better terms, you have like a day manager and an evening manager, um, like people that can oversee either the the or or maybe it's like a kitchen manager and a yeah. front end manager, but then having a manager that overrides yeah. them that that yeah. does the book work. It's key. I think you could. It sounds like you have divisions, much like you do in your company now. You have a marketing division, whether or not they're employees of yours or a third party yep. that's doing that function. Right. You have another set of worker bees that are out there right. serving uh, the, the gas and greeting them and, and cooking behind the scenes and washing dishes. And then you have somebody else yep. that is a higher level that says, I'm going to orchestrate all this stuff. Yeah. Sounds efficient. It sounds productive. I don't know that I would want to personally. I do miss the restaurants. I do miss the interaction, the talking to people. Remember, I mean, we used to have a good time. And that's one that's thing fun. I remember as kids. We were 15, 16 years old. We had processes in place to make sure that we were successful and we had a great time doing it. That culture as a team yeah. made it even more successful yeah. and it was fun to show up to work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And we have that there. I I I would say so we're and by no means a restaurant, but we do the exact same thing a restaurant does, but we pack it all up first, take it to a strange place that you've never been to, maybe unload it all. It seems so much more it, difficult. <laughs> then do it. Yeah. Then run a restaurant, then pack it all up, bring it back, clean it all and reset. Yeah. So, and then reproduce that. It's like a fancy circus. It's, it is. It, <laughs> and, and especially when you were, when you were in the tent rental business too, oh my add so, that to, yep. so Joe used to have tents, uh, uh, tables, chairs, all that jazz. Yeah. Yeah lighting and dance floors and all the stuff. And it's one thing we've done over the years is kind of narrowed our focus. Yeah. Um, which is wise, man. Yeah. We had, I had a restaurant. Um, we ran a food service and a restaurant, basically at Gunlock that, uh, at the time there was seven, 800 people there in the cafeteria there in the vending, um, the rental business. And we've kind of peeled that stuff off and said, let's get 
the best we can be at weddings and catering and that's yeah. what we've done so you hire a restaurant to cater um you're getting a completely different product but the sub tray is still showing up and the food's still there and it still tastes good but mm-hmm. capability you know and so we've just narrowed it right down to doing this as good as anybody can dave i know on the break you had a you had a question that i thought was great to uh to kind yeah. of segue uh joe into why don't you dive into that yeah joe so you know uh when you have for for people at home to try to help them, um, you're the expert. We come to you for these questions. Um, if someone is looking for like a caterer, a venue, what things should they be looking for, uh, and what questions should they be pondering, like when they're making these decisions? Yeah, of course, budget is always a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, communicating what's most important to you in your event day, regardless of what it is—birthday party or a corporate lunch. Um, and making sure you're going to get that out of your caterer. Um, again, I always feel like having good food is almost not even in the mix. Like if you don't have that, um, close close your doors. doors. Yeah. Close your doors. Close your doors. So it's expected, right. And a certain level of service. And so, but if, um, you know, the experience that you get from start to finish and you want, um, it to be easy or it to be memorable um, for your guests is different. Um, if if having the trendiest food is really important to you, I think you need to make sure that the catering company or whoever it is that you're involved with is going to be able to produce that. Um, we may not be the most sophisticated food, but if the experience from start to finish and responsiveness from our team and uh, trust that we're going to show up, um, we're not going to be short staffed. We have backup staff and if the vehicle breaks down, the next one's going to show up. And so if you want that reassurance, um, ask those questions to make sure you're getting out of your, your catering and your caterer, um, what it is that's important to you, because, um, we have a funny story. We, we had a client come in, um, they were actually, um, uh, Simmons was the last name. Um, but he got married here in Rochester. They were both pilots, but he was um, he was a radio personality and got started, I think, with like uh, 106, 7, or it was one of those big, big mm-hmm. channels. And they moved down to D.C., uh, trendy couple. And um, we thought, like, we had to impress these guys. They they come up from D.C. and we're going to have their wedding in, uh, at the uh, aircraft hangar in Geneseo. Mm-hmm. Really cool place. Um, and we said, we got to come up with some cool menu stuff. And these guys came in and they said, well, we were actually going to go with this barbecue caterer in town. And we're like 15 bucks a person for their whole dinner menu. And they had probably a $40,000 budget for their wedding. And this was, I would say, almost 10 years ago. Now, um, the line items on the invoice, the smallest thing was the food. It wasn't important to them. We actually did a, a really cool themed event um, and the food went in these like to-go containers, like, and we had stewardesses dressed up in flight attendant <laughs> costumes. Oh, that is awesome. That's so cool. Love it. We made, um, we did a lot with the design stuff and we still do that now. We we made a dozen 10 foot long paper airplanes and hung them from the ceiling with lighting. And it was all about, the food was the lowest there. And so we went in with this expectation thinking these guys have money and, you know, it's, it, and we have this big budget and we're coming up and these kind of maybe big city guys that had nothing to do with that. So maybe just a testament to making sure that 
the people you're hiring are going to be able to deliver on what's important for you for the day. And uh, if some of that uh, reassurance and, and confidence that there's going to be no problems, and if there is, you may not even notice them that day, then call us. If it's just hot food showing up in the, the cheapest price and budget, um, and you're okay if it shows up a little bit late, you can probably call just about anyone out there because the food should be good and you hope they show up. But yeah. Um, so if service and taking care of your guests is important, just ask about those type of things. Say, you know, what's, do you have backup staff? You know, um, how can I know that you're going to show up? And I was always very reluctant to um, tell people how much volume we did. We do a lot of events. We do probably 300 weddings a year in six months yeah. and uh, peak season. But we have the resources, we have dedicated HR, we invest in this culture, we have backup vehicles, we have all the things that are, if there's a problem, we learned the hard way and fixed that and came up with something that will take care of that. And things always come up, but um, we've, we had a vehicle get lost. I felt like I told Wait, you Wait, you had story. a vehicle get lost? Older gentleman driving, nicest guy. Uh, this was five, six years ago, probably. Couldn't find him. He did. Uh, he was. He didn't have cell service, and this was. He had a flip phone or something like that. <laughs> and it was food for 150 people that was about to be served in an hour. Couldn't find this guy. Come on. Um, What'd you do? Found we, him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, <laughs> we found some food real quick. Um, it, it was crazy because I, someone from my team called me and said, "Here's here's what's going on." I was in the building, um, mm. and in 15 minutes we had. I was about to where the guy already was and we had food for 150 people that was would have been on time for that event out of the blue and it was because we had the resources and more food in the building and the ability to just make this happen and so if that van never showed up those people probably would not have known maybe with the slight menu variation that still would have been good yeah they would have had their food on time and so you're going to get that from the next guy Yeah. how to ask that question. But yeah. um, how do you convey that to people? Right. You know? That's the hard part. Like that's, the lost, the lost, the lost truck story. The lost. Yeah. Truck so story. did he make it? Just curious. <laughs> I, I drove in and, and I, um, it was in down in Hemlock, uh -huh. the Livonia area. Uh -huh. And um, I was kind of driving around the back roads. Like where could this guy be? Did he run out of gas? <laughs> like what the hell happened? Um, I pull into the gas station. I'm like, have you seen a guy? Was he lost or something in a white van with, you know, our logo? And he's like, no, I haven't seen him. And I'm like, all right, I'm out. Like back in the car, just, um, and, and the, the clerk says to me, well, if I see him, what do you want me to tell him? Um, and I said, he's fired. He better look for a new job or something <laughs> like that. Like if, um, and as I, as I'm walking out the door, I see him pull in like by and I flag him down and, um, we cut a little bit closer, but I almost think we already had another vehicle en route with food to that event, but I ended up finding him. We got him there. Um, oh my goodness. Nobody knew anything. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah, kind of a crazy story. Wow. Yeah, that is. That yep. is. Wow. Part of that whole thing though, and I hate to use this tagline, but um, understanding what's important and knowing your client. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. when you talk about yep. the, it's not the cookie cutter type of theme that you're pitching or forcing down someone's throat. I hate, I can't stand that when you meet somebody or a business and you're considering something yeah. and they talk about all the things that are not important to you at all. Yeah. Right. Everyone so gets, sure? everyone gets this. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. You try to ask the question, like, 
what do you fear most about your wedding day or what's most important or what's going to make it memorable? Well, besides the bride or bridezilla. Um, yeah. Yeah. There'd be a lot of things to worry about. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you try to understand that and um, make sure you deliver on that. Like the, the menu for the gentleman at the aircraft hangar, it, the menu wasn't important. They wanted good food and you got to have yep. good food, but they wanted this completely different experience that we had to kind of, was like okay back to the drawing board and it wasn't yeah at that point it was kind of the realization that not everyone just wants really good food in a catering company food centric mm -hmm. uh, idea so well I, I remember the um real quick i remember the event you did for monarch where it was oh, the awesome. um poker night or the yeah, yeah. yeah gambling night or whatever casino you want to call it night. casino night thank you yep. and uh i i forgot exactly how it looked but we had the little bar thing but it was it was like a beach theme, yeah, because it was right on tiki Lake Ontario. That's right. It was a tiki bar. I remember it. Um, and it just it, it it fit right. And and you're right, Joe. If I had to really peel the onion back, like, could we probably hire most uh, catering companies for good, decent food and good, decent drinks? Yeah, but you brought so much more to the table with that, and it made the whole event um, memorable. And and the to be honest, I don't even remember the exact food items we had. No, but I can remember people having fun, smiling, laughing, yes. telling me how great everything was. Yep. Um, and like you said, when we got there, there was like a, a, a tent, not a tent, but a shelving setup that was oh, yeah. tiered with yep. drinks to grab and go with umbrellas and mm -hmm. fancy. Mm -hmm. People remember that the smiles, the experience. That's what people remember. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Quite the cool qu stuff. quite the ride. Um, as we as we conclude here, Joe, just uh. An announcement. I know that you recently uh, purchased the venue. Yes. Tell yes. us just a quick 30 second. I'd hate to say elevator speech, but. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. Got into, uh, um, you know, using this, we purchased uh, what was an existing venue that um, I think was ready for uh, some some love and in, uh, in a new face, the Avon Century Barn, um, just up the road from Party Man um, in Avon, West Henrietta Road. Um, we're, we're going through. Uh, the new website and everything, a name change will happen, but we have a venue that um, I would say was one of the more iconic barn wedding venues in, in Livingston County and even the Rochester area, taking that over, using that as a kind of a platform for us to um, create some amazing experiences for people and, and uh, do something a little bit different. So I think it's going to be great for us. And uh, yeah, that's something we're kind of getting into now. Wow. So, so did you guys have a venue before? No venue before so we first. Yeah. Yeah. First one. We worked with a lot of a lot of other great venues in, in uh the Rochester area. I mean thirty or forty or fifty different venues we've catered at over the years and a lot of them pretty constant. Some really, really great ones. Um, but our hope is that this kind of um provides some opportunity for staff, uh training, having our own facility and um, you know, just being able to do things a little bit different. So yeah. Super excited about congrats. it. Congrats. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. You're smiling. I don't know if yes. are listening yes. or watching, but yep. congrats. That's yeah. a big Thank deal, you. man. And, Thank and you. Joseph, if somebody wants to uh, hire you or talk to you guys about pricing, venues, events, how do they get a hold of you guys? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, website, partymancatering.com. Uh, phone number on there, 438-4321. Uh, nice, easy number. Um, but you can go to our website, send us uh, an email through there. Um, we have three full-time event planners that will pick up the phone and get back to you. Um, we try to turn things around real quick. So if you reach out to us, um, someone's waiting there to, to talk to you about your exciting day, what we can do Love for it, you. Man. That sounds That's great. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. 
Congratulations. I'll, I'll close with saying congr- congratulations on all of your successes, man. Could not happen to better people, in my opinion. Um, and uh, Kant, anything else? No, I, I seriously, this was this was cool to see you on the show as business party man. Yeah. The yeah, guy. It was it was all fun. Up. Yeah. If if this if you were a mullet, this is the front half. <laughs> front half yeah. All I, business. I won't turn around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you guys. And um and I have to I, even just a shout out to you guys because you've Dave, you've been along for the the ride with me and uh and really helped our business um, you know, kind of invest into those things that are important. And uh sure. we've seen each other grow. You've done a lot, a lot for us as well to get me to this place. So thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Awesome. Well, thanks again for listening to the Pennywise Financial Podcast. Constantine here, Monarch Wealth Management, signing off. Thanks again, Joe. You've been listening to Pennywise Financial, brought to you by Monarch Wealth Management. Constantine and David really care about their clients. They want to make sure you're happy, so you'll continue to hire them. There's no commitments, and clients are free to leave whenever they want. Think about being able to pick up the phone and call someone for guidance and advice on almost anything, from buying a car, selling a home, buying vacation properties, or even selling a business. Reach out on the website at monarchwealthmanagement.com. There are two offices in Rochester and two offices in Buffalo. Reach out to us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. Or call us toll-free at 800-480-1580. That's 800-480-1580. Until next time, this is Pennywise Financial, signing off. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, and SIPC.